You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washad, as we're going to talk recruiting in our next segment. Huskers got another commit, number 12, and Nate Klaus is going to give us more on that. But it is time for the mailbag. As uh, lots of questions again this week, we're going to pull from the weekly Red Sea Scrolls chat. And first question out of the gates. I'll answer this one. I don't know. I don't even need much of a follow up. But when will camp start? Well, the calendar remains the same. Um, next week on Monday begins organized workouts. And then two weeks from that is when the mini camp begins. And then from that point on, August seventh is the first day of camp. And once you go into camp, you are allowed to have your team for as many hours a day as you want. So um, there, there's um, you know that that's the schedule. That's the plan. Nothing's changed. Anything to add on that, guys? All right. <laughs> this is a question. You, you covered it for Nate. Looking at those 2022 in-state prospects, give me your ranking list in order of most likely to least likely to commit, and they're all four stars: Micah Riley from Bellevue West, the four-star tight end; Deshaun Woods, the four-star offensive lineman from Omaha Central, and then four-star outside linebacker uh, Devon Jackson from Omaha Burke. Um, what are the chances for Nebraska if you had to rank these three names in order? Yeah, I'll start with least likely to most likely. I, I think Devon Jackson at this point in time is probably looks to be like the hardest one out of the group to um, to get, and that's mainly just because you know he's he's not originally from Nebraska. Both of his parents played uh, you know college sports at Illinois. Uh, Illinois. You know, his dad was a football player. His mom was was a really, really good sprinter there. Um, you know, so there aren't. He's not necessarily a you know a born and bred in-state kid. Um, you know, and, and even those guys have become harder and harder to to lock down. So that's going to be a battle. That's going to be a big battle, in my opinion. Uh, then Mike O'Reilly. Um, you know the, the the talented tight end out of Bellevue West. I think that um, there's there's a shot there, but it, it's it's going to be tough as well. And and he's got some really really nice offers. Uh, you look at you look at his offer list, and man, it, it he exploded in the spring. He's got a ton of Big Ten offers. Um, you know Arizona State, I know, is going after him extremely hard. So uh, so that's not going to be easy either. And then um, you know I, I think. Deshaun Woods, the offensive lineman from Omaha Central, uh, is probably the the most likely out of that group. Uh, but again, that's that's not a slam dunk. I, I won't sit here and say that that he's definitely going to be a Husker, um, or or any of those guys are going to be Huskers. I I kind of feel for Barrett Rude because as the in-state recruiter, um, you're, you're expected to 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 get the best each and every single year. But it has not been easy um, over these past few years since he's come back to the to uh, to Lincoln. And let's face it, those Omaha kids, Nate, are it's different. You know, I don't know if a lot of Omaha kids. Sit and sit with their entire families and have huge Husker watch parties. I mean, it's not like it was twenty years yeah. ago. Yeah, it, the dynamics of it all has have completely changed, and uh, you know, it's not. It's you know, it used to be when you got a Nebraska offer, you know, whether you jumped on it immediately and committed right away, which a lot of guys used to do. Um, you know, it, it was still kind of known that yeah, you might go through the process, but you'll probably end up in Lincoln. That's just not the case anymore. All right, moving on here. Um, question I'll take on this one. Is Jaden Francois on campus? Yes, he did get to Lincoln uh, on Monday of this week. There's only one scholarship player not in Lincoln right now. That is Australian punter Daniel Cherney, 
who is still waiting on his international travel visa, Robin. And, and you've got some insight on um, what could end up being kind of a mess with travel visas for interna- inter- international athletes, and that includes a lot of basketball players. Yeah, so with, with basketball, obviously, they still also have two scholarship guys uh, waiting to come back, and Ivan Wagerogo in, in Paris, or France, I should say, and uh, Thorier Thorbjörn Arsen in Iceland. And right now, it's just a holding pattern. You know, they're waiting for those travel restrictions to be loosened and to be allowed back into the country. And there's no telling when that's going to happen. But then, you know, the next layer to this is, uh, you know, the U.S. Immigrations and Customs Enforcement, otherwise known as ICE, uh, issued new guidelines earlier this week saying that international students that are here um, on visas, those visas would be void uh, if they're at a university that offers primarily, only primarily uh, online courses. So, you know, if there's a school that goes strictly online, those visas are void and new uh, visas won't be reissued and essentially they'll have to be deported. And so right now, Nebraska has six guys uh, on their of their 13 scholarships that um, you know, hail from, from other countries. And so that's something that is definitely going to be closely monitored uh, by Nebraska and I'm sure programs around the country because the international influence on college athletics is as great as it's ever been. And there could be huge repercussions if this thing uh, continues forth the way it's set right now. All right, question for everyone here. Has the Big Ten, we, uh, how do you compare the Big Ten West to the Big Ten East? And, and if you took Ohio State out of it, how comparable would you say the East is the West when you look at what Wisconsin's done, when you, what Minnesota, what Iowa, and, and you know, you've got teams like Illinois who can knock off of Wisconsin. You've got Purdue's improved. You've got Northwestern who just recently won the West. And obviously Nebraska is still the wild card. If Nebraska can get back to being, quote, Nebraska, then I think that conversation even intensifies that the West is the deeper division of the two. Yeah, I think there's, I mean, there's no question in my mind. I think the Big Ten West is significantly stronger top to bottom than the East, but the two best teams in the league are Ohio State and Penn State, and I think there's a pretty significant gap between two and three. Uh, so, I mean, those two are the clear cut. Now, Wisconsin, though, last year beat Michigan, and they got the Rose Bowl bid, yeah. and Minnesota beat Penn State. Yeah, but so, no, no, one, well, no one predicted any of those teams. So all I'm saying is just looking at it right now, just on the talent on those respective rosters, uh, it's it's Ohio State, Penn State, and everybody else. But when you take the collective divisions and the strength of those divisions, I got the West all day from top to bottom. Yeah, it, the West has clearly closed the gap uh, quite a bit compared to three or four years ago. I think I think we can all agree on that. Um, now the the upper echelon, you know, Ohio State, Penn State. I mean, that's that's still there's still a pretty big gap there between uh, you know those two programs and in the West. But I mean, I totally agree, Robin. I think from top to bottom, um, the West is is kind of has become maybe more the the more impressive division in, in the conference, and and I think it's still trending upward. I, I think that. Um, when you look at Minnesota, when you look at Nebraska, um, you know Wisconsin is Wisconsin, Iowa is, is Iowa. They're, they're you know they're both steady programs, um, but you know, you've got some you've got a couple programs I think that are up, on the upward trend here or will be here, uh, you know over the co- next couple of years. I get this question a lot, guys, um, and it's kind of your your diehard '90s fan that will ask this question from. You know, do they have the Unity Council still? Is the yeah. Unity Council still a part of the program? And what happened to it? And you know, they do have a form of the Unity Council. They have players in each grade, each position group that have leadership 
over certain areas of workouts and the program and the off season, et cetera. So is it called the quote leadership council? No, but they still have something in semblance, Nate and Robin to what it was at one time before. Yeah. I know last year they were talking about that they had it. So, I mean, they've, I mean, it's no secret that it's around, but they haven't like publicized like the entire list of players that make up that unity council, leadership council, whatever you want to call it, but it's still in full effect. And, you know, I think especially now more than ever, uh, that's a pretty valuable thing to have as a football program. Yeah. I like the fact that it, they haven't, you know, talked it up or publicized it a whole lot. Keep it in house. Yeah. Keep that, keep that in house. We don't need to know who's on it. How many, how many players are on it or, you know, um, you know, how effective they're, you know, it's, it's being, I, I think that, um, the fact that they've got one now there, that there are quite a few players on it are good signs. Um, you know, and, and I think that, you know, I think slowly but surely we can all agree that the culture has, has gotten to the point now where, um, and if Frost has always talked about this since he's gotten here, that the players need to police the players, you know, if, if a problem gets to the coaches, um, you know, that's, that's a, a pretty big deal. Uh, it needs, you know, the, the little issues need to be taken care of by the players. And, and I think that, you know, the program's kind of starting to get back to that. All right. Final question. Um, don't have anything light to end on, but biggest concern. We've got a question in the chat this week is without a doubt, the D line slash outside linebacker, your biggest concern going into the year. And for me, that is my concern. I think the offense has the pieces in place. Um, the O-Lions veteran, they've got better receivers coming in the program. Tight ends are back. They've got a running back back. They've got quarterbacks back. I think of all the position groups, to me, there's no doubt OLB, D-line is the big question for Nebraska going into 2020. Yeah, I mean, just looking at the roster, that's definitely the choice. You know, there are other factors that might have uh, pretty significant implications, like will Adrian be Adrian? Can he stay healthy? And if he can, that obviously uh, has a pretty good ripple effect on everything else that goes with Nebraska's offense. So, uh, I mean, there's there's other things that you can make an argument for, the inexperience at wide receiver. I mean, that, that's another thing to look at. But uh, just looking at the depth chart and looking at the names at those two uh, you know position groups, I'd say that's pretty obvious. Though That's probably the biggest concern. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think those are the two biggest concerns. And, and not because they're absolutely void of talent. I think there is talent there, but – at this point it's it's mainly unproven talent you've you've got um you know you've got a lot of projecting um or what guys could could possibly do uh at those positions uh now they just need to go out and do it all right nebraska picked up a new commitment from ladarius webb jr uh, we're gonna get nate klaus's thoughts on that and more next you're listening here to the husker online show